From the front line. It's not going to work, man. From the tailgates. Representing KGYR and its stakeholders. We are the Forum for the Fan. The Bleed Blue Show. Flying solo. Here's your host, Steve. Here we are, the four footing fans of Bleed Blue Show 2023 Spring Training. Got to get into our own squad. We got to get to our own squad, y'all. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the Bleed Blue Show. Uh, get into the Yankee talk. You heard me talk a little bit of spring training across the board with Major League Baseball on the Blues Day recap. You can check that out on those streaming devices, on my thoughts across the board with a lot of those injuries on a lot of these teams. With the you know with the uh, the Musgrove injury, Steven Strasburg, but it, it's time to tackle our own team for the first time in the 2023 spring training. We'll bring in, of course, our the expert herself, uh, Susie Prof. Susie Prof. One on IG, Bleeding Yankee Blue had a nice piece that we could also piggyback off of for this uh, spring training episode. Susie Prof., welcome back. It's great to talk with you. I, I mean, I've been following you all off-season, you know, sports tweets and Yankee tweets and the commentary is always going on Bleeding Yankee Blue and especially on Twitter. What's up, lady? Hey, what's going on? I can't even believe it. It's finally spring. Can you imagine that we got through this winter unscathed and now Mm -hmm, we're ready mm -hmm. for Yankee baseball? You know, absolutely, but you already know at the end of this episode, it's only a 30-minute or, you know, we're going to talk. You know, just just a crash course of what's going on in Tampa. I caught some of the games and definitely want to get your extended thoughts verbally. I see the great commentary, the writing pieces, but it's all to put it out, verbal thoughts on audio. But at the end of this episode, you know I got to ask you about your trip, you know, as far as the foodie stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, we'll save that for the, oh, we'll yeah. save that for the end. <laughs> you know I'm dying right. for that. <laughs> oh, man, where do we start, oh, man? Yeah. Um, I, I saw Cabrera uh, swinging a hot bat. Over you know last couple of games, uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, we could go right down the line because I saw what you wrote on Higgs, and I of course agree with you on that. Uh, anywhere you would like to go, oh, matter of fact, let's start. No, I got this, Susie. Problem. We'll get to those questions I just kind of alluded to or summarized. The pitch clock. Now that you see it on a major league <laughs> level in spring training action, I love it. And I matter of fact, I don't think I have seen anybody who not does, does not dislike it. But what are your thoughts? Pitch clock. What you seen in in game in spring training this far? I think it's going to be an adjustment, my friend. I mean, you, you're teaching people how to kind of rethink their routines from even a pitcher and mm-hmm. a batter standpoint. And, you know, there's a lot of superstition. There's a lot of specific moves that folks like to, to make. And I think it's going to be an adjustment. I think we're going to see some interesting things. We already saw some interesting things with Max Scherzer uh, for the Mets. And I think veterans are, are going are gonna to have a little bit more difficulty adjusting, obviously, uh, than the newbies. But uh, I think we're going to see some interesting things. I, and, you know, honestly, I get it. Like all of this, like, you know, wasted time. I, I like baseball. I find it relaxing. You don't see anybody trying to rush a golf game, really, right? I mean, so I, I actually like to just sit and enjoy a game. The pitch clock, I could take or leave. It's not one of the ones that I'm going to, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, die on, you know, or jump off the cliff over or, or whatever, um, because it's, it's one that maybe it is practical, but I do think that folks are going to struggle uh, around the pitch clock and around, like, the batter, like, not being set. Like, there's some interpretation there around being set or even with the pitcher being set that the umpire has to like sort of read a signal. And I think that's the part that's a little bit frustrating, but I think once everybody sort of gets like honed in on this, it, it'll settle down. But in the beginning, I think we're going to see a lot of, uh, a lot of interesting calls and a lot of interesting plays around the pitch clock. Yeah, I totally agree. And I'm looking forward to it because all my life, Susie Prov, and I know you're older than me when it comes to you've been a Yankee fan or baseball, Savant Sports had longer than me. And this is all new to us for the most part on these rules. Like baseball kind of has been the same thing for decades, maybe centuries as far as approach to the game. Yeah, this is this is different because, like you said, every pitcher is not the same as far as wind-up, superstition, how they approach batters, the, how you know how they wipe their head, everything, everything is taken into account. And some pitchers probably like to work; some like to work faster than the others. And then you, yeah. and then there's the also the other approach where you have these batters where they like they take the time stepping into the box, getting situated, and I mean it will speed up the game, which I'm a fan of. Now I also like. Matter of fact, I have to ask you this question. Um, yeah. From that perspective, like, this is your number one. How many, like, I don't know, I don't think this is the case this year, right, with the schedule, but because the games theoretically should be faster, you think we will see more double headers in the future, let's say subsequent seasons, 2024, 2025, if they think 2023 was a success with speeding up the game? Because I would love that. I like double headers, how it used to be. Oh, you mean planned double headers? Like 29 yes, double planned. headers? Not like a rain out, oh. and then you had to play. I, yeah, I plan yeah. double because if you could speed up the game and make the game two and a half hours, you could probably squeeze in two games and make it a four, four and a half, five hour game time day. That's that's not a bad day on a Saturday, you know. What are your thoughts? If they, no, if they, no, I mean I hadn't thought about it. It's a really good point. I mean, last year it was a. Uh, I went to uh, the Mother's Day game. I think that's the uh, the picture that you have of me in the quote unquote baseball card. Um, yeah, which probably yeah. showed you how old I really am. Uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, so we it was a Mother's Day game, and it and it wound up being a doubleheader because of the rainout. I don't even think it was the previous night. I, I actually think it was the Friday night, and it wound up being that they pushed it to the Sunday as a doubleheader, and it wound up being Mother's Day. And it was a great day. Like it was gorgeous out. Um, I mean, unfortunately, it's two seven-inning games, right, which is what they do for the doubleheaders, which I don't really care for. But, again, that's not one that I'm going to, like, you know, worry about so much as some of the other things that I don't like. Um, But I I hadn't thought about it. But it is a good way to kind of get people back out to the ballpark for longer time. It, It increases your concessions. It gives people mm-hmm. time to walk around the stadium and get a feel for the culture of the stadium, which I know you and I like to talk about, like the culture of the stadium, the food of the stadium, the feel, the vibe of the stadium. Um, I think it, I think it's a really interesting proposal, Steve, and maybe we will see that in 2024. I would love that. 
I would I would be there like double header playing double headers not like like you said with rain out and then you have to make it up later and yeah. you do a squeezing a double header when the team travels. No, I like that idea because first of all the games as you already know are long as hell. Like a Yankee Oriole game should not be going three and a half four hours in June. You know what I'm saying? Just hypothetically speaking, like yeah. if that thing was shortened yeah. up uh, to a point where it's like two and a half hours on average. You could do a doubleheader, you know, from one, maybe through like seven o'clock, like on a one day Saturday. You will get more fans in the seats, I believe. I really believe that uh, from that approach. Yeah. The games are not draining. They just go to go. People, I think the pitchers and the catchers, like you said, I mean, not pitchers and the catchers, pitchers and the hitters, they will. It's going to take some adjustment for some more than others. But that's just the new way because everybody knows this game. It can get very long and draining. You know how it is with our rival games, and that be those are the ones that are like going into midnight with like seven seven thirty yeah. starts. And like, no, 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 we got to cut that back, man. Um, yeah, let's talk about your piece on Bleeding Yankee Blue, and it was great to read as far as all the guys, you know, the, the holes that we have on our squad. Um, we could talk yeah. about uh, what you were saying. Uh, about Cabrera and how he was swinging the bat. I saw he had some good swings out in, uh, in Tampa. What are your thoughts on him? And then as far as the holes, uh, you know, finding a position, guys to fill in positions, let's say shortstop stands out as one, maybe you know, left field on average, who could really play left field. Uh, like, let, let's talk about that. Like, where do you stand, if you want to double down on what you wrote on your piece on Bleeding Yankee Blue? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me throw this out here to you. So Mm -hmm. my son and I have this running bet, and it's who's going to get DFA'd by the All-Star break. Is it going to be Josh Donaldson? Is it going to be Isaiah Kainafalefa? Or is it going to be Aaron Hicks? Or none of the above, like nobody gets DFA'd. And if I win on any of those, if any of those guys get DFA'd by the All-Star break, I get like a gourmet lunch with like an open <laughs> bar. Oh. And same for him. Yeah, I like it, right? Same for mm-hmm. him. I honestly believe that the Yankees are not going to tolerate BS. They're not going to tolerate mediocrity. They're not going to tolerate guys not hitting with runners in scoring position, guys not hustling, guys just being like a shadow of themselves in the lineup and I don't think they're going to tolerate they and they shouldn't because the depth of the minor leagues that I am seeing this year is like none other and even the guys that were major league players that we signed to minor league contracts they have a lot of potential right with like you know uh, Willie Cahoon and Raphael Ortega like they have potential mm-hmm to fall into the lineup at some point. As Waldo Cabrera, you mentioned earlier, there is no reason why he is not a starting outfielder. There is no reason why he is not in the lineup most of the week over Aaron Hicks, who quote unquote is a veteran. The guy is lighting it up. He is, he is getting reps. He wants reps in center field. He has a good personality, he has charisma, and, and he's well-liked, and, and he's coachable. So there is no reason. When I got to hear that Aaron Hicks is still blaming 
all kinds of old practices for his woes. Like he's blaming the shift for his lack of hits. He says that he's not much of a grapefruit league hitter. Come on, guy. Like I've had enough of him. I really have. I can't imagine that the Yankees front office are, are going to put up with his crap this year. I certainly am not. I'm not going to sit there and watch this guy play night after night. If they start this guy, I don't know if I'm going to watch the game. Donaldson's another one. He's just dead. I don't the game. At third yeah, of base. course you're going to watch. I'll watch a game. I'll watch it. But you know what? I, need, <laughs> I, need, I know that we can't, I know we can't afford to DFA all of them, but we've yeah. got to DFA somebody. I think IKF actually might have some sort of value and could get it could be in with a trade of some sort but the other two one of them has to get dfa'd by the all-star break we're just not going to tolerate it yeah i I can understand what you're saying about aaron hicks and i if you're going to in spring training show what you can do early on and just show the opportunity of playing the every day um Actually, actually, that's a specific question I would like to ask because I would have thought Bader would have been a center field. So would you rather see Cabrera, if given the opportunity, play left or center if, if one of those was really open? How do you oh, see it? I just think it's good. I think it's good to, like, for Bader, who's already had yeah. about a plantar fasciitis, to get a rep at a DH every so often. And if that's the case, oh, I'd put Cabrera – in center that I, I don't, I mean, Bader's our starting center fielder. I'm just thinking like, how do we shift it around? And, and, you know, I do we put Aaron judge in, in center? I, I don't know that we need to, I think Aaron judge could, could be, you know, right field. I think he, he, he even talked about playing left field if he had to, if you're putting in uh, Giancarlo Stanton. Um, but I think that we, my point is we have options, options right, around right. Hicks. And so I would just say that, like, this guy, this Cabrera, has the ability to really be a, a well-used player, and there is no reason why we've got to rely on somebody who's not a great fruit player or a great fruit, whatever he's calling himself, hitter, and, and, uh, and somebody that has an excuse for every reason why he can't hit. Yeah, I mean... That, that's that's a story for another day with the rules, uh, with the new rules, with the shift. I don't like that, even though to me it's just weird telling a, a, a team dictating how they should play defense. If they choose to play eight men on one side of the infield, let them. But, uh, it, yeah, well, but Aaron Hicks, I mean, you just got to produce. Go ahead. Aaron Hicks has to produce, regardless. I mean, it, I, right. I, listen, I don't really like the shift either, but – you know, I think actually what we're going to see is more creativity now that there are more rules around the shift. I mean, who's to mm-hmm. say um, that you can't have another outfielder then? You, you know what I mean? Or you, you move that left fielder up. Um, it, it, you know, maybe a third baseman goes in, I don't know, to left field. I, I, I don't know. I see I what you're saying. I see what you're saying. That's sh- smart. I yeah. like that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so you might have it. So, stu- you know, Hicks. Somebody's going to catch your ball. It doesn't matter. That's what my point mm-hmm. is. <laughs> right, right, right. Now, as far as Willie Calhoun, you know, with him yeah. com- coming up on the minors, and, 
Uh, I, I thought he's hit the ball well as you know in, early on in the spring training, but also yeah. Rafael Ortega, a guy who's also on a minor league contract. Uh, what about yep. this position? Uh, his fit or whatever that the Yankees want to see out of him this spring training session. What are your thoughts? So far, I think they're seeing exactly what they were hoping to see out of him. I mean, he's playing Mm -hmm. left. He had a two-run home run over the weekend. Um, He is, uh, I think, after Saturday's game, he was going three for eight. I, I know he's playing tonight. Um, I don't know what he what he has done so far tonight, um, but I I I like what I see in him too. Again, the Yankees have options. We don't have mm-hmm. to like you know. At, at the end of my piece, I really caution the Yankee brass from making these rash decisions because you can't assume. You can't assume anywhere. It needs to be an open canvas with you really bring the best team on the field every single day. And mm-hmm. enough of this nonsense of, like, I'm going to run the algorithm, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to put in these numbers, I'm gonna, and, then, and then it's going to spit out a lineup. I, I know that I'm old school around that, but I see sometimes mm-hmm. I think, it's, you know, it's like chat GPT. It's like AI. You can't rely on that alone. You've got to have your own intellect and your own know-how and your own understanding of the game or whatever it is that you're looking at and be able to think critically about what you're doing. And I, I feel that Aaron Boone has not done that. He, is, he sure understands the technology, and he's got a team that's working with him and Brian Cashman or whatever. And, you know, I, I guess, again, I'm old school, but I think, like, you've got you've to gotta look at the, at the whole player. You've got to look at the makeup of the team. You've got to look at the chemistry. And Aaron Hicks offers no sense of leadership besides playing in a very mediocre way every day. That's just not good enough for the best um, franchise team in the sport of baseball and beyond. Yeah. I'm with you on Aaron Hicks. Um I mean, you said a mouthful in that piece you wrote, and I couldn't agree more. And, and there should be a, a light, or is you know a light under the rear ends on all the best offense and defensive makeup combination. So that's the question I'm gonna ask. Let's put Aaron Hicks to the side because you're actually I agree with you yeah. on his left field uh, as far as him being out there. But there's got to be somebody breathing down his neck. There's got to be somebody like a Cabrera or even a Stanton from time to time, but not all the time. But we're talking about your everyday average left fielder. But let's look at it like this. Right now, infield, what's your best defensive yeah. infield based on what we know? Now, I'm not saying what they could do at the plate. I mean, I know that goes into account because you want guys to produce. But sure. defensively, we still have um, – uh, Rizzo at first, of course. I think that's a lock, right? I mean, does, he's, he's got he's yep. got a backup there in, in Lemayhu or whatever. What about is it still Glaber Torres at second? Is it going to be D, DJ Lemayhu? Who do you trust at second? Who do you? The shortstop is really uh, the, you kind of said it or alluded to it earlier as far as the it's kind of a big deal, honestly. Shortstop and then third base. How do you look yep. at the infield best defensively? What's your best combination on a, on an average? Yeah, well, I know that Oswald Peraza isn't, and I wrote a piece about this a couple weeks ago, that there's that he, he technically could could have this position 
if he can perform. And so far he has not been playing at the caliber that the Yankees had expected him to play. So I don't know what where he's going to fall for this, but I have to say Anthony Volpe is really mm-hmm. lighting it up. And mm-hmm. I understand that he hasn't had many reps at Scranton. He's had most of his reps um, down at the Somerset Patriots, and, and he's doing well. But I like his plate discipline. I like the way he sees the ball. He's not swinging at junk. And I know you want to really focus on the defense. From what I see, he's got terrific defense. So does the so does Peraza. And I and I think if Peraza can come around and maybe he's just having a, a, a tough, you know, start of it. But I think like it, it what I'd love to see happen is I'd love to see both of them make the team and one play second and one play short. Honestly. I would love mm-hmm. that. I would love nothing more than that. And then naturally put DJ LeMayu at third base if I could just get, you know, rid of Donaldson. <laughs> I, honestly, my ideal lineup, my ideal, my ideal uh, uh, infield would be Rizzo, either Volpe or Peraza at second. And then, I mean, if, if we can get something from Glaber Torres because we're going to need another pitcher, great. But we can kind of hang on to him and see how he does this year but I'm not seeing anything powerful coming from him over the last several years. So, mm-hmm. again, let me go through Rizzo, Peraza, Volpe, Peraza, Volpe at shortstop, and LeMayu at third base. That would be my ideal with Glaber Torres kind of mixed in, uh, in you know, in second base as, as needed. Um, but that, that would be my ideal. And then knowing that with these rules, with the shit or the lack of no not having a shift, how do you think they would be yeah. able to play off each other defensively up the middle at short and second? If that was your ideal lineup, just picking your brain on that, well, like how do you think uh, they would? I mean, care? I think that yeah, I mean, I think the 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 I, I honestly think the youth and the and the instruction that they're getting down in the minor leagues is preparing them for that kind of communication, for that kind of like understanding of where each other is playing and how they're playing. So I actually think they, they're doing a good job with that. And I, I actually trust that. I think like Glaber Torres, I think maybe he came up too soon. I don't know. Like he just doesn't communicate well. He doesn't seem to um, defensively. I, I'm, I haven't been impressed with him. And I know he'll go on like this string of like, you know, great hitting, but then he'll just go silent. And then he's offering us no value at all. So mm-hmm. my concern is like just the same old from him, similar to the same old from some of these other veterans that get to a point where they're just not producing. So, and IKF, I mean, we can hold on to him right now. Honestly, I'd move him to third base if, if, if need be. Um, he could be the super utility player. But one of the things I, I say in this piece that you're referring to is I don't think the Yankees will waste too much time with IKF or Peraza if Volpe shows the sign of growth by the all-star break or even sooner. I mean, I actually think he has a, he's making a convincing case to make the team now as opposed to later on because of his plate discipline, because of the way that he's playing the position of shortstop and I actually even think he, he could play second base. I believe he's had reps at second base. 
Um, so I, I'm actually impressed. I think if they, it, you know, if the Yankee brass years ago would have waited too long for Derek Jeter, we never would have had the Derek Jeter that we had for those mm-hmm. 20 seasons. Like Absolutely. Joe Torrey did a great job mentoring him. The players did a great job mentoring him, exposing him to the game. He had a lot of fight in him. Was he the best shortstop? No. Was he the best hitter? No. But he got there. He put the work in. I think Volpe has that same kind of discipline from what I'm seeing to put the work in, to, to do well. And if we wait too long, like we have been, uh, you know, these players are either going to get traded or they're never going to reach their potential because they've spent too much time. I mean, there is such a thing as spending too much time in the minor leagues. There is, there is such a thing as, like, spending too much time in one place and not having the opportunity to break out of that safety zone, if you will. Like, really get out there and fail. Fail in the major leagues. That's what Jeter did. He failed lots of times in the major leagues. But Joe Torre was smart enough and, and the folks around him smart enough to keep him around and, and push him to be out of his comfort zone to play the way he's played. So I think we wait too long with this youth, and then they wind up overstaying their welcome in the minor leagues, and then they're not confident enough when they get up here if they wait too long. So that's my two cents on that. Good. All right. That's very good. Very good on that. I, I agree. Um, with a situation if Volpe could step in right away, only I'm not 100% sure – how they're going to deal with second base. I'm going to hold off on that. I don't want to scapegoat my answer and just write it off. I want to think this out through. Uh, two uh, new infielders, uh, fresh, more regular stars. I'm not sure if they will do that. But the good thing about this situation, I think you're alluding to also, is there's assurances behind each guy. Like like each guy pretty much could play most infield spots, like LeMahieu, and, right. and you right. even could throw in, um, you know, you know, the Parazas, IKF, if you wanted to yep. throw them at third, like you said, but definitely at short. But yeah, there's definitely options uh, on that as well. Um, so yeah, I'm glad we got to touch up on that. Um, I'm glad I got to read your piece on on, on how you're seeing it uh, thus far in spring training. And uh, and how you know Aaron Hicks and Cabrera in that situation in the outfield. But let's get to the fun stuff before we jump off. This is you got to tell. Yeah. How was it? How I'll just leave it like that. I'll just leave it out there. That's a softball right down the middle of the plate. How was it? The trip. What what barbecue did you have? Did you have barbecue? So I went to this place. Yeah, <laughs> I, there were a lot of great barbecue there. Um, really good Tex-Mex there as well. So I was staying. Um, at the Fairmont Hotel, which is right downtown in Dallas. And um, we went to this place called uh, Jackson, J-A-X-O-N. Whoa, it was awesome. First of all, it was a gorgeous night, so it was before the storm. So all the windows (laughs) were open and uh, all these outside TVs, all this basketball on, and they had this, like, barbecue plate. And I was with, like, uh, the people I went to this conference with. And, you know, people were playing it safe. And uh, one of the people at my table were like, do you, you want to do this, like, barbecue plate? I'm like, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and it was, like, so good. So good. And, you know, washing it down. Like, I, I'm gluten-free, so I'm careful about the beer. But I washed it down with some 
amazing um, Austin cider. Um, okay. It was okay. beautiful. It was beautiful. Oh, what a great night. Damn, Jones. Gorgeous weather. <laughs> oh, it was so good. I did go for some really good Tex-Mex the night before, and um, the margaritas Damn. were, like, unbelievable. They were so good. So really good stuff. The carne That's how you do was it. just out of this world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Man, you you need your own uh, cooking channel, not travel channel, writing and just just food stuff, man. Man, that sounds amazing, man. And I, I'm going to the Yankees Louis are there in April, in a I believe. Weeks. Say what? Are they? I'm going. I'm going to St. Louis in a couple of weeks. I know you're a fan of St. Louis. Yeah, you know, I just the, talked about them the barbecue? Uh, yesterday. Yeah, go to yeah. Papa's. Go to Papa's. Papa's. Have you been? When, yeah, when yeah, yeah. Okay. St. Louis. I haven't been there yeah. since before the pandemic. Yeah, I'm okay. going to go there so at the end of the years. month, and then I'm going to Chi Town. I'll be in. I'll be in Chicago. Oh, man. Uh, after so, that. Okay, I got a couple of minutes. So you, I think I like your style. On like, if I go to Texas. I'm I'm tackling the menu just like how you tackle it. It's about barbecue and Tex-Mex. No offense to yeah. Italian food. No no offense to Irish food yeah. or Jamaican food. Yeah. You know how this works. If you go to a specific state or region, <laughs> you go for what they do yeah. allegedly do best. You, you did it right. Yeah. I mean that you hit it off the. Yeah. So if you was to go to Chicago, I would expect you're you're on the uh, either the. Oh. Uh, the deep dish. Well, I, mean, I don't want to, you know. I know some New Yorkers find it offensive. Oh, Lumo I love you some oh, deep dish. Oh, Who? Oh yeah, I'm down with the Lumo and Adis, uh, Oh yeah, pizza. That's my spot. And and I am down with a Chicago dog. Yeah, there it is. Definitely That's what I'm a Chicago exactly. dog. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. No, no, you don't. You don't need a coach. If, I hope to see the pictures on your Instagram or Twitter. A matter of fact, did you post any the food pictures on the uh, social media? I Susie thought Pop, I did. I thought I did. Did you? On I didn't see it. I, I saw articles. <laughs> oh, please. Oh, yeah. Man. Some of the Yankee Insta. fans yeah. probably started drooling on the screen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. Can I tell you, though, like, not to be underestimated, the barbecue, the sausage was unbelievable. It was like a spicy sausage that was on this barbecue yeah. platter. Unbelievable. Oh, my God. It was yeah. so good. Oh, yeah. You, you 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 hit a home run, man. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. The pulled pork I was on there. It was like the. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It was it was so delicious. The slaw. I'm a big slaw person. The slaw was just like so damn good. Man. So damn good. Damn, dude. <laughs> yeah, that's how you do it. Now, when you go to St. Louis, Papa, that's that's where I went when I went to the Yankee game last year. The Yankees are actually there Papa. this year. Yeah, they are back in St. Louis. Oh, yeah. I probably won't go to St. Louis. Papa's. Oh yeah, that's that's the that's the main spot. Like that's um. All right. Damn, I forgot. The, is it on Olive Street? I think it's on Olive Street, if I'm not mistaken. Something like that. And that yeah, that's that's the out. thing. That's the thing. Yeah, go there. Um, matter of fact, last time I was there because I was there for the Yankees last year. That was right when Montgomery got traded. That weekend, remember the next okay. game he pitched and like. Yeah, you know, oh, you know, yeah. I like... remember having the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. But they have built a I new so soccer stadium. The... They... Yeah, I know, man. I I, I, I couldn't believe it, too, because remember, Bader wasn't even playing. He was out, and 
and Montgomery just made us look like fools. But anyway, um, they got a new um, soccer team in the city, and it's buzzing right yeah. now. I see it on the new team's uh, website. Uh, it's right down the street. That that Papa's is literally like a mile, if not that, right there on the same street. And it's a good uh, – I don't know when you're going – uh, if it's on a weekend, but you just check out the soccer game when you're in town, man. I mean, that thing is buzzing from oh, what I saw cool. on their social media. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Cool. Oh, final thoughts, uh, um, Susie Prof, um, any articles that you're, you're coming down with, you're writing, or anything around baseball? We could, uh, we could wrap it up. It's good, it's good to talk with you, yeah. Susie Prof. No, I know, I know. I mean, uh, you know, I'd like to hone in a little bit more. And We have a piece today about Jason Dominguez. I'm really impressed with what I see in him. I know we didn't unpack mm-hmm. him um, a little bit more, but maybe next time. Uh, I know that cool. he caught the eye of Bernie Williams, and, uh, you know, so I think there's some, there could be something there. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think, you know, just keeping my eye out on Volpe and, and paying attention to, you know, how they're playing these guys, you know, to see where their versatility is. I really want to start to dig in more now that we have like a week week or so under our belts. Um, one thing I have to say, Volpe's wearing number 77, which we know was Clint Frazier's number, so I didn't really care for that, <laughs> <laughs> if I'm honest. <laughs> right, right. A shout-out to Susie Prof. It's good to talk with you, Susie Prof, on Twitter, Susie Prof one on the gram, and, of course, Bleeding Yankee Blue Check her her articles, uh, give it a a read, and give it a retweet, and share, and send it off, man. Shout out to Susie Prof. Good talking with you. We'll we'll catch up again soon before the start of the regular season. We'll probably get into more of the veterans, uh, maybe more of the pitching. We'll talk about that. And we definitely got to talk about the pitching as well. But this is a nice start. I I touched a little bit, but, yeah, I touched a little bit, Steve, but I got to get deeper into the pitching, too. You're right. One person I did kind of rat out a little bit. I mean, I didn't like Carlos Rondon yesterday, and I, I, I think Luis Severino needs some help, so we'll see. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we got to talk about that signing with Rondon and, and then Severino and, and Cortez, uh, all that stuff. Uh, all right, yeah. Susie Prof, leading Yankee Blue, and we'll be back here on the Bleep Blue Show. Take care, ladies and gentlemen. Sangre Su, Bleep Blue. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue, blee blue.